Meeting you now at Retro Metro on the corner of Cox and Republic Road in Southwest Springfield. EatRetroMetro.com. The news and talk. Allegations that the Attorney General of the United States has weaponized the Justice Department. That matters to Springfield. That the DOJ should not be able to withhold any information now. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. News analysis and opinion. It's the Elijah Har Show on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You know, last week we had Dr. Molly James on the show. She talked about a lawsuit she had going on in regards to being terminated from her employment, failure to wear a mask. Obviously, her argument was that she had a religious exception. And I had somebody reach out and they're like, oh, can't, can't we let, can we put COVID behind us? And I said, you know, it's a challenging thing to do. It changed so many lives so dramatically. And especially people like Dr. James who lost their job despite being a virtual doctor because they did not want to take the, the vaccine and they had a religious objection to it and they lost their job over it. So uh, some people were unable to move on. There's a movie right now talking about one church's battle over the COVID shutdowns. Joining us uh, today, Bruce the Theologian. How you doing? Good to have you back. Uh, tell us a little bit about the movie. Yeah, it's called uh, it's called The Essential Church. It's actually showing in our area at the moment. It's showing at the Ozark B&B Theater uh, south of Springfield. Um, and it's a documentary about uh, the struggle, the legal struggle that Grace Community Church had in Los Angeles about the right to stay open during COVID. And for those of you who don't know, Grace Community Church, that is John MacArthur Church. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, the Master's Seminary is there also. Um, he's also the Chancellor of the Master's University, and it's also in the area. And, um, yeah, it's um, it's um, it's the journey of the church from, from uh, when COVID was initially announced uh, that it was going on. They, uh, the church initially um, closed their doors because the, the, the public health cry, uh, outcry was that there would be a um, an accelerate, accelerated amount of deaths as a result of COVID, and uh, the church initially did close its doors. But as the months went on, uh, the leadership of the church began to question uh, some of the numbers that were being published, and uh, they thought that maybe this is, wasn't quite as deadly as it first appeared. And then members started coming back, um, and then this, the, it just kind of built up and built up. And then eventually, um, the uh, the health department in Los Angeles began to start fining church for public health orders and i haven't seen the movie but i followed along a little bit with the story there were some really crazy things like didn't they take away their parking lot at one point they did and, and that, that actually doesn't make the movie um i visited grace community church twice during covid um the second time i was there i believe it was the parking lot had by then been taken away but what was interesting about the parking lot is that the church and like i said this isn't in the movie but the church had had a lease on that parking lot for 40 something years i think it was 45 years and the parking lot had no actual commercial purpose of any kind. It was actually in a drainage ditch. So it, it's not like the it's not like the city could cancel the lease and then lease it to someone else. It could only be used as a parking lot. And what ended up happening is the synagogue next door to the church said, "You can use our parking lot <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because amazing. we don't use our uh, our temple on uh, on Sundays." I so. mean that that that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because uh, ironically, this morning I was reading in Romans and Romans thirteen about being subject to authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of this whole conversation is if you're John MacArthur and you're Grace Community Church and you've got the state of California saying, nope, too dangerous to be open, 
what's a Christian's duty to respond to that authority? Well, certainly in the in the case of Grace Community Church, they they say in the documentary and they, they go pretty extensively into it is that the elder board of the church was con- not confused, but they were not unified on what Romans thirteen said and how it should be lived out. Um, their initial thought was that we should uh, we should shut down, and then as the information came out that COVID wasn't as deadly uh, as it had first appeared, at least for the the, the, the broader population, um, they began to investigate. Uh, Romans 13 on a, on a deeper level, and some of the elders, there's 40 elders at the church, some of the elders in the uh, the documentary say that they were not convinced that the, the church was doing the right thing by being open. And over a period of time, they, they began to reevaluate their interpretation of, of Romans 13, and the church decided that um, in the case of uh, how the, the city of Los Angeles were treating the church, is that they were asking the church to violate the Bible. So therefore, Romans 13 didn't apply um, in this situation because... Um, they were basically being persecuted, and 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 though Romans thirteen makes reference to that we should obey the the civil authorities that God has put in place, they felt that the civil authorities were were asking them to do things that um, that suppressed the church, and, and they were being persecuted. And they had a good I mean, a good example of that that you know the the church by the health authorities in Los Angeles was deemed as non essential, but what was considered essential were strip clubs, Costco. Um, liquor stores, etc., and they're like, "Well, if these places are open, why can't why can't we be open?" And that I remember that was was you know this battle got replicated all over the United States, uh, everywhere from Washington D.C. to Los Angeles, and right here in Missouri. I, I remember churches being asked to close down. Now it wasn't very long, two three weeks at a time, and then them saying, "No, we're going to reopen." But a church like Grace Community Church, they're doing it in a, a fairly liberal state. Very. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as you said, they were deemed non-essential. Um, walk us through, you know, I, I assume their legal costs became fairly astronomical uh, in battling this fight. They were. The legal costs uh, ended up being $3.5 million. Um, and, uh, eventually that the state, uh, the combination of the state and the city paid back to them 100%. Wow. Um, yeah, I'll make a long story short. Basically, after this all started going on, uh, Grace decided we're going to sue the city um, uh, for for our First Amendment rights. So I was going to ask, when it started, who who was the because it is it's the health department, it's the city, it's the city. Mm-hmm. Who was the first person they had to get through? Because I feel like there was the health department issued an order that they were violating the the health department's order, and that what was happening is every week that Grace would meet and congregants would be there, that they were racking up. Um, fines and this fine was going into an escrow account and eventually would be paid out to the, the prevailing party um, and um, yeah uh, the, the legal cost is that as you know they, they hired the Thomas More Foundation um, or the Thomas More Society and they began to represent them eventually racking up a bill over the course of oh a year a year and a half to, to the tune of three and a half million dollars and that's not even counting the fines that were occurring yes correct okay correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they go through this process. One of the things that I heard from people, um, particularly those that are like, hey, we think this is a health crisis. Why don't they just do an online ministry? Mm-hmm. Why not just live stream their services? They can stay closed. Everybody can shelter in place, that whole line. Right. Uh, what, what, what was their thoughts on that? Uh, the perspective eventually of the elder board was that the, the, the government doesn't have the right to dictate how church functions, and that would be giving up the First Amendment rights. So when the, the, the government first approached them, the health authorities there, and the health authorities sent inspectors into the church during services. They were pretty oppressive uh, and aggressive. Um, and um, the church decided, uh, 
with with and, and they, you have to understand the church has lawyers that attend the church the church have physicians that were on the elder board there's people in in, in places of knowledge or, or privileged knowledge uh, that were advising the church on this and they decided that in order to comply with any of these things whether it be social distancing or max masking or and, and by the way when i was there the, the two times i was there during covid the church had masks and and um, hand sanitizer all that stuff was available it wasn't they weren't anti-mask they just said we're not going to force our congregants to mask because if we do this this is a slippery slope because if this goes to trial the argument that, that says we're not go- where our first amendment rights are being violated is is diminished because they've already started to um they've already started to succumb to what the state's asking them to do so they didn't want to give an inch because if you give an inch then your argument that we're not going to do what the, the state is saying is is uh, injured yeah that's what what when you watched the movie and i know you followed this in the news but when you watched the movie was there anything that jumped out you're like man i i didn't know that about this this fight um the details of the situation in canada because the the, the movie goes into the details of how the church historically has been persecuted and in this case it goes back to the covenanters in scotland in the 1600s but the situation in canada was interesting because uh, the two pastors they talked to in the, in the documentary, James Coates, and I forget the, the, the name of the other gentleman, um, they, the church, uh, the, the authorities in Alberta, Canada, actually went to these churches and changed the locks on the churches. And then in, at James Coates' church, they put a triple barricade around the church that stopped the congregants getting inside the church. I mean, a police force. Wow. Looks like a SWAT team. It was like, like what, you know, what is this, the Banana Republic? It was like, <laughs> I was this. Yeah. And then, and what, so Coates, James Coates, go to prison for 35 days. The other gentleman in the documentary went to prison for 21 days. Um, and then the church, uh, while Coates is in prison, goes underground because they, their building has been confiscated by the, the authorities in Canada. And eventually Coates is released because... Coates' wife goes on Fox News and just every every format she could get on, she was talking about this. And eventually, the the, the authorities there in Alberta relented. What's the what's been the subsequent reaction in Canada? Obviously, you know we we know uh, Grace Community in California was successful. Mm-hmm. What about in Canada? I'm not sure all the the legal details in the situation in Canada, but uh, Coates, I've seen, I've listened to Coates, uh, James Coates, in a, in a um, interview since, and he says his church has uh, at one point tripled in size. Wow! So there was a, a definitely a um, it, it, it had the opposite effect that the government wanted it to have. You know, and it's interesting. I can't remember the name of the church, and, and maybe you do, but there was a church in Washington, D.C., similar thing. They filed a lawsuit, and their argument was, we don't have an online ministry. So when you don't let us open our doors, right. we are not, we are forsaking the fellowship of the saints. Right. I mean, that, that's that's an argument. And in the case of uh, MacArthur Church, they have an online stream but they wouldn't call it an online ministry they make it available to people that are that are away but they don't make it a focus of their church it's the church you know the church there uh, at grace they have two to three services on a sunday um seven or eight thousand people there when i was there they had actually because of the overflow situation they had constructed a thousand seat tent in the parking lot to accommodate huh. for um for um the, the the influx of people what they called they called them grace refugees because many churches in los angeles had um succumb to what the government had done but they still wanted to go to church so they ended up at grace well and not only do not only is it is it one sort of intimidating take on the government but two a lot of these churches probably didn't have the financial resources to say yeah we're gonna we're gonna roll into right. a legal battle that's gonna be a seven-figure fight right uh and and grace is a, is a, is a well-heeled operation um i don't i'm not sure the dynamics when the, the thomas more society came in and what the what the talk about compensation was um but yes very few churches are going to be able to even 
after having received a consultation from a lawyer, they're they're going to look at that potential bill and say we we can't. This isn't our fight. Really fascinating. Obviously, the 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 COVID pandemic, at least in our lifetime, totally unique, totally different than. Anything. I mean, we talked about SARS and things like that, but nothing to the extent that we walked through during COVID. And so, I guess the question is, if we see a situation like this happen again, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. Do, does it appear from the documentary and like the, does it appear that the churches have adopted a pretty strong set of, we're not going to let this happen again principles? I, th- I think so. The, the, in the, um, in the final, um, analysis of the church situation there with Grace is when the government, uh, the local government paid back three and a half million dollars in legal fees. The government also in, in Los Angeles signed an injunction that said they could never come against Grace Church again, uh, with anything that relates to this. So the really? church is kind of bulletproof. Uh, That's on this issue. fascinating. But the, the issue, the, the, the reason this all came about is because the, the Grace community says we want a trial. And if we're going to have a trial, we're going to depose Governor Newsom. We're going to depose all the health officials. We're going to depose everyone. Well, the problem is if you depose all these people that have been oppressing you and you're very suspect of the science they've been giving out to perjure themselves under oath is obviously a very serious situation. So once the uh, Grace and the Thomas More Society made say we want a trial, within 24 hours, the government said we'll settle. That's fascinating. So, they, because they knew what they were, they were told, we'll yeah. depose everyone. Well, and it's unusual to see public, pu- public officials go under deposition in regards to carrying out their, their public, like mm-hmm. what the, the, the exact, executing the orders that, that the government has. That's, mm-hmm. man, that's crazy. And that would have been difficult because all those public officials would have had to defend the COVID measures and the science was pretty shaky in those early days. And that, and the science is still very much disputed. So you're going to put these people under oath. And, and they, they, they talked to um, one of the gentlemen that was on the Trump task force. They interview him in there. They interview uh, Jay Bhattacharya, who, who, who created the, the, uh, the Great Barrington Declaration from Stanford. And he disagreed with all this stuff. He said the way that the, the, the church is being oppressed, the way these COVID measures are being implemented, these lockdowns, the, the 15 days to slow the spread, all this stuff was basically um, not scientific. And you would have put those people, these health officials on the stand and, and challenged them with the actual science. And it, and it would have been very public. So to save face, they just said, hey, we'll never come at you again. Here's three and a half million bucks. And, uh, you know, let's get some makeup. Who produced or created the movie? Do you know? Uh, it's, it's actually produced by the church. Uh, they had never, the church has no history of ever producing you know, television programming or, or, uh, or um, movies of any kind. But there's some, some talented people in the church and they decided, to, hey, let's document what's going on here. And, and they pursued it. And then you were telling me it's it's at B and B Theater in Ozark, is that right? Yep. It, it's, it, I think the initial release it was at a couple hundred theaters. Then it grew to like eight hundred or something. The DVD comes out at the end of the month, but it is currently playing um, during the day at Ozark B and B Theater. And then you were saying in in Los Angeles that the theaters are sold out. They were there for, at least for the first week. They were sold out. I, I listened to some some information. They said, "Oh yeah, we tried to get a ticket and we couldn't get one." So um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a roaring success. How, how has Hollywood not realized that Christian movies just pop off every single time? I mean, <laughs> going back to like Courageous and Fireproof, those movies went gangbusters. And they weren't even the most well done movies. No, they were made, I'm pretty sure, by a church as well, at least in, in the very beginning. The mm-hmm. first couple, everybody was from the same church and just had a couple talented people and it, it grew from there. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder why Hollywood, now I don't, I don't want Hollywood to see Christians as pawns, but they see everybody as pawns, so why are they not seeing would, us as major money makers? Certainly, yeah. after the Passion of the Christ, you would yeah. think that was sort mm-hmm. of the the point where they're like, "Wait, there's yeah. there's a group of people that want to go see these movies." Yeah, the yeah. success of the cho- of the chosen has mm-hmm. been huge. Mm-hmm. So I, I I wonder why 
that I wonder why that hasn't happened. And I also wonder, Mr. Mr. Theologian Bruce, <laughs> trying to figure out the right title for you. Um, you, you do obviously have your pulse, or your finger on the pulse of many churches in America, I'm certain. What are some of the biggest regrets or things that churches wished they would have done during COVID? Do a lot of churches wish they would have taken this similar approach? I think they may have regrets after they see how the church respectfully dealt with the government there. Mm-hmm. You have to understand when, it, when this first happened, the church did shut down because they saw, saw the numbers. They consulted with the elder board that had physicians on it, and they said, we're going to err on the side of caution. Uh, uh, MacArthur likened it to, there's a tornado coming, everyone get in the basement. So they said, "Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna take care of our people." But as the as the months went on and the weeks went on and the information started to come out, they said, "Wait a minute, is is our government you know is our government persecuting us? Do they want to shut down?" And it seemed very obvious that the government did want them shut down, and nothing was going to appease them until this this idea of a trial came out. These depositions were being potentially happening, and that's when the government backed off because I think the government thought, um, oh, "We can suppress these folks. We can we can manage these people," and they. They, they didn't budge an inch. It's fascinating. All right. As we do every day, we wrap up with two questions. First, our question of the day. Question of the day today, what's your favorite accessory? Um, I would say uh, cell phone's a bit obvious because everyone's got one of those these days. But um, especially when I travel, uh, my Chromebook, laptop, and my Kindle because I read my uh, my magazine material on my Kindle. So I always, wherever I am in the world, I've got my Kindle and my laptop with me. You guys are going to have to catch me up to speed. What is the magazine? <laughs> I was actually going to say, wait, movies still come out on DVD? I thought they just got streamed. He streamed, right. Uh-huh. Although, I assume Netflix is probably not in a hurry to stream The Essential Church. Probably not, but it's, it, will, it will hit a streaming format. I'm sure they've already talked about it and they're working. There's money to be made. So yeah. it's going to be on Netflix. It's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be one of those. They've actually, the, the producer already said that they are applying for it to be on Apple. So you can pay your $10 and buy it on the Apple uh, you know, Apple TV, you know, uh, situation. So yeah, it's going to be a streaming very soon. And the DVD comes out at the end of this month. Essentialchurch.org, I believe is the, uh, the essential church. You can still go see it at the Ozark B and B. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us in. All right. We'll be right back. We will wrap up the show. We'll preview a little bit of the rest of the week. Stick around. The news and talk. It is the strongest border security bill this country has ever passed. That matters to Springfield. The southern border has been abolished and millions of